0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Good, Bad, and Ugly of Business. I am your host, Katrin Becker. In this podcast, we interview guests who come from all over the place. We've got business owners, entrepreneurs, real estate investors, founders of companies, executives. It doesn't matter. We talk to everyone because we believe that there's a lot more that brings us together than separates us. And we're here to explore each and every part of that. My guest today is a mother of two, and she has taken that journey into motherhood to help her launch an incredible venture that she co-founded and is now the COO of. It's called Keep Company, where they believe if you take care of your people, you get to keep your people. So Claudia Name Burt, I'm so glad to have you on the show.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: I love, love, loved preparing for this interview because I think this is such a topic that resonates with so many people. I think some of the statistics I saw on your website is that there's 73% of people that are parents or caregivers in sub And I, I know from my experience that, you know, obviously that was already always happening, but COVID really brought that into focus for me personally. Um, and, And I think for many of my colleagues of being able to learn about what people are doing outside of their working hours. So I'm so glad that you and your co-founder brought this together. I would love to hear a little bit more about the journey um, that you've personally had that has led you to this moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my career started, I I started in uh, communications. So in strategic and corporate communications, I then went and worked at American Express in marketing and got my MBA and then discovered startups. Um, I was a part of the early team at a direct-to-consumer startup called Framebridge, and was really lucky to get to see that business grow and learn. Um, In my last year at Framebridge, I had my first child. I now have two boys, and I was just so struck by how reactive motherhood felt. I felt like I had built all these big skills at work, resource allocation, strategic planning, um, communication, negotiation, and I wasn't using them in my home life. And I felt like there was an air of dismissiveness that people treated the topic of caring for someone else with. Um, So I would say, oh, I didn't sleep last night. And people would say, oh, you'll sleep when they're 18. And I kept having this feeling of like, that's how we're doing this? Really? Yeah. and I'm originally from Venezuela, and I, I grew up between Venezuela and the D.C. area. So I spent truly 50 percent of my childhood in Caracas and 50 percent in the D.C. area, um, D.C. and Maryland. And so I'm properly bicultural. And I think I, as I became a mom, really st- struggled to reconcile Latin expectations of a village mm. with very American realities and systems. And so I think all of that um, was then accelerated as I started to see friends downsize jobs, leave the workforce, um, people that had had success at work and and found a pocket within the workforce that they enjoyed and then felt like they were failing for the first time. and it didn't feel
0: sustainable. It's a and hard so I, place to be in for sure.
1: It's so hard. And and what's striking is um, for so many of us, you know, you, the harder that you push, the more that you get what you want, that stops being the case to a certain extent. When you start caring for someone else, it's a time when a lot of people say that they feel um, uh, ill-equipped or like they're failing for the first time. And so what I really was struck by is how many people felt alone how many people felt like they were the only one that was struggling? And so um, I decided to shift my attention to this question of what would help? What would help women stay in the workforce? What would help people that care for somebody else find more sustainability? Um, and so I met my co-founder and we've been building Keep Company for the last two years. We go in through organizations um, and the reason why is really that we can empower the individual to to find agency build skills find support and we do but if they are in a system that was not built for them there will be a limit to that impact and so we care a lot about also giving recommendations to the organization um, about what they could do to retain this up to 73 percent of your workforce because it's not just moms of new babies right like sure it is parents of kids of any age that are struggling. We have a lot of members who are parents of teenagers right now. Um, And then it's disproportionately women and particularly women of color that leave the workforce when they begin caring for not just a child, but a parent um, that is aging or a spouse undergoing cancer treatment or whatever it may be. Um, I think what you said about COVID certainly resonates. This was a problem long before COVID, right? Oh, absolutely. yeah, but I think that I I always say, I think COVID made the quiet things really loud. And one of the quiet things was most of your workforce has families and jobs at home. And it made that really, really loud. And so I do think now we have an opportunity to rebuild work so that we don't have to pretend like that's not the case.
0: And you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many things going on and you know, the baby boomers are really coming to that point where there's going to be more care that's needed, where there's more health issues that need, um, that need extra attention. So it's absolutely been going on for a long time, but yeah, I I like to say that the noise of the world makes us deaf to actually hearing. So when you put it in the perspective of COVID made quiet things really loud, that really hits home for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the fact, the fun fact, the not so fun, devastating fact that I always say to anybody is by 2034, we will have more people over 65 than under 18 for the first time in U.S. history. Oh, my gosh. That's staggering. It is staggering. And so, you know, people are calling it the silver wave. There, There is a tectonic shift that is happening beneath the workforce over the next 10 years, which is that people will become caregivers more frequently and than ever before. And so that will mean more sandwich generation that will mean more strain on workforces. And so for organizations that we talk to, the most forward-thinking organizations we talk to are already thinking about caregivers as a discrete part of their employee population, um, which I think is hugely important
0: uh, absolutely and you know I I spent 20 years in the corporate, in corporate America before leaving. And so I can really resonate with times when there would be like happy hours or things after work, you know, meant to bring us closer together, have team building, those kind of things. And I loved being able to participate in that. And then I had kids and it was like, I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't participate in this anymore. And it felt very excluding. Um, and also, you know, being, high achiever. We want to achieve in everything, in every aspect. And kids are tricky. As soon as you feel like you've got like steady feet under you, it shifts and you're back in quicksand and having to learn all the things. Me personally, my oldest is going into middle school, um, this year. And that's a whole new ball of wax. Like I was like, all right, I got this whole elementary thing down. Like we figured it out. And I was like, oh man, I got to learn all this new stuff again. And When do we find the time to learn all those new things and still do our job and still be, you know, a friend and a daughter and a sister and a wife and all of the hats we wear. That
1: little spot at the end, that's where we live as Keep Company. So what we talk about at Keep Company is um, at every, we're a group, based, um, program. So we connect parents and caregivers with other parents and caregivers that have a similar role at work and a similar role at home. And we create this kind of magic number of eight people. And so when you walk in, you realize, oh, I'm not the only one that's struggling. And then you can go into agency and skill building and all of that good stuff. Um, but when our members come every single meeting, they check in and we say on a scale of one to 10, how is work today? how is family today, whatever that looks like for you. And on a scale of one to 10, how is personhood today? Mm. And in the first meeting, they often say personhood. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I feel so far away from myself and I'm taking care of work and I'm taking care of my family, but I'm not taking care of myself. And I don't even know what that would look like anymore. And what we have found is that personhood is what makes it sustainable Having finding a pocket of your life that is for you as a friend, as a sister, as a person is hugely important. Whether that's five minutes, um, it doesn't matter. But retaining that piece is critical to feeling that like this whole juggling act, balancing act, whatever you want to call it, mess is is sustainable. (laughs) A beautiful mess. A beautiful mess, right? But um, that's really that's really a core part of it, and so. Again, we're coaches, so we don't know the answers, right? We are not going to tell you what would make your life more sustainable. We know the questions to ask based on our own experience as coaches, as moms, as caregivers, as dads, and the behavior science, right? So we ask the questions so that you can have the space and the pause and the zoom out to say, what would make this more sustainable for me? Um, And for some people, that is moving their body, or ha- I'm going to sleep more than four hours a night, mm-hmm. or I am going to take a 15 minute walk. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to call my sister. I'm going to, whatever it may be, right. Whatever personhood looks like for you. We had a member at one point say that she was going to start eating the organic raspberries that she usually saved for her toddler. mm. So personhood takes many forms. I think often about those raspberries.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it's, it's so good. I, I have a little story about a tea. Like I, I love the process of making tea and drinking tea. Like it's such a thing. And there's so many times where I'll make the tea and then it just sits on the counter. And so there was a period in my life where my mantra every morning was drink the tea, drink Mm -hmm. the tea. Like I just need to drink the tea (laughs) and it will be okay. Uh, so I, I really resonate that. And I think a lot of what social media has done in the, you know, quote unquote, self-care space has really screwed a lot of our self up. Like I don't have time for a pedicure. I don't have time for uh, a massage. So therefore I don't have time for self-care.
1: Yeah. I'm on a campaign against (laughs) (laughs) self-care because I think that I think that what makes me crazy and you're hitting this spot on is that it implies um, indulgence for things that we know are just fundamental well-being, health, mental health. And so um, there's this feeling that when people say I have to take I I need more self-care that they're saying I want manicures and massages. What they're actually saying is I need to stand up off of my screen for five minutes. I need to take a shower. I need to move my body. This is this, we're not talking about indulgences. We're talking about basic care. And for many parents and caregivers, that feels impossible. And so what we're trying to do is give them the space to access it because um otherwise the impact to their health is just enormous. And so, yeah, I I, I think that self-care absolutely has kind of twisted that. The other thing that I would say about that is um there's this feeling that if you don't know what to do it doesn't feel sustainable often people will you know quit their jobs or leave the workforce and then they'll do the quote unquote self care of the green juices and the yoga and they find that it's not enough and really what they're what it doesn't give you is a sense of that strategy that makes you feel agency over your life which is um, what is it that I want? Not not what am I supposed to want, but what do I actually want, and how do I work towards that? Um, the other piece is that it doesn't it doesn't shift that loneliness. Mm. So what we find is that it's both stress and isolation that drive burnout. We think a lot about stress driving burnout, but it's isolation that exacerbates it. And so that's why we believe so strongly in this group model because we're not supposed to do this all alone. We're not supposed Mm. to do this work alone. And so um, we're trying to kind of recreate what the village looks like and what support systems look like, because largely we've lost it. And when you talk about happy hour, I think that resonates. And we hear it resonate with a ton of people, which is I go to happy hour, but I don't leave feeling more connected to other people. Sure. And so what we're trying to create is a space that's not a clinical space, but not a purely social space, a space that's designed for you to feel truly seen, heard, connected to others. Um, Because what we find is that when people can practice skills like asking for help and asking for what they need and talking about how they feel in that safe space, then they can bring it into other areas of their life. And that's when it gets really exciting.
0: Well, and something that I always find interesting is like if you meet somebody for the first time and- they are describing themselves. It's usually never described about who they intrinsically are. It's all Mm. of the external factors of, I have this job. I am a mom. I live here. I, you know, I have dogs, you know, whatever it is, it's always external factors instead of being able to talk about what intrinsically makes us, us. And I find Captain, that so how interesting, you
1: describe yourself intrinsically. I love this idea.
0: <laughs> I get so inspired by people. So I love connecting with people. I love having conversations, which is why I do this for this exact thing. Like it fills that side of myself. You know, I am happy when I get to make a difference, you know, when someone I'm working with was like, wow, I didn't know that, that really changes things. So like, those are the kind of things that fill me up. So I look for those kind of kind of things that that's what makes me happy and fulfilled. So how would you answer that question?
1: When I answer that question, I need to think about that one. I think, um, I'm a doer. I am high energy. I like to get a lot done. I am motivated by doing, um, I, I care a lot about women and I care a lot about what would be possible if women had a little bit more access to some of their untapped potential. So if, if, if we could give women more tools and support to access 10% more of their potential, what would be possible? I think about that a lot. I think Mm. my husband makes fun of me that like, when I look at people, I often like what I see as potential, I'm like, you are capable of so much. It's why I believe in this business and why I think people are amazing. Um, I think it's also why I'm an optimist and an entrepreneur, because I believe a lot is possible. And I think people show that to us every day with a little bit more support, a little more tools, um, a lot more is possible. And I think, you know, this intrinsic description question, I think resonates a lot in the context of social media, where I think Everybody today is their own brand manager. Like my background is in brand marketing. So I think about it from that lens of our parents did not have to describe themselves in one pithy kind of 140 (laughs) character description. And when you look at teenagers and their bios on Instagram, you're like, wow, everybody has a personal brand. And it is a massive amount of pressure to distill your identity, which is so multifaceted and complicated and always evolving into that. I mean, I'm a brand person and it's, I find it extremely hard, you know? And so I think a lot about how we're forcing people to put themselves into these descriptions and how that impacts their sense of identity, worth, um, all of it, right? I I think that there's such complexity in that. So that's why we often say, at Keep Company, we want to hear who you are at work and who you are at home, because there's this idea that like we're all robots and I put on my work hat and I seamlessly take it off and I put on my mom hat and I take it off and then I put on my caregiver hat. And then I, you know, like this idea that that is all seamless and possible, it's a lie. It's a lie. And why are we all pretending that we don't have families to take care of when 75% of us do, you know? And, um, And so I think this idea of, allowing for a little bit of mess and integration and showing up as a whole person, um, is exciting. I think we talk a lot about how can you apply the skills that you have at work at home? How can you apply the power of the skills you've built at home at work? Mm. So what would be possible if you show up with your strengths as a mom in your workforce, with your strengths as an operator in your home, in your conversations with your partner, whatever that may be. Um, Um, So yeah, I, I am pro integration
0: in all of the ways. I mean, there's so many different ways and I, I love how your group program is in like cohorts of eight. Um, That's such a special, you know, number and seeing the support because I think so many, and I've talked about this on this podcast before the difference between seeing is believing and believing is seeing. You know, Mm. so many of us are trained only to believe once we see, and if we are not seeing other people being successful in this or what we do see, they do look successful. You know, that makes us look inwardly and go, gosh, well, what's wrong with me? Cause all these moms on Instagram got it figured out. What am I doing wrong? So it's such an interesting, just sort of flip that we have to mentally make.
1: Totally. And within the organizational structure, what we hear from people often, and this is, we hear this often from women, we hear it often from people of color, is that they look up and they say, I don't see anybody that looks like me. And so I don't see a path forward. And that is why when we go into organizations, we often say, let us start with your most senior leaders, because that is where the change will begin. And the data says that they're burning out faster than ever too. So they clearly need support, right? But what it allows us to do is if they go through the program, they start modeling some of those behavior changes. They start showing up as a full person. The impact of that is enormous. And they give implicit permission to people on their team to be a whole person. And that again, is what drives that sustainability because across the workforce, we we work a lot in professional services. So in these high billable hours, high attrition organizations, they also come with big gender and diversity leadership gaps. So you'll often hear our incoming associate class is 50-50 gender split. When you look at the top, it's 20% women. Mm. So what is driving that attrition? That's a lot of what we think about. And often it's what you're saying. I don't see anybody that looks like me, so it doesn't feel like there's a path forward or this doesn't feel sustainable. I don't have the tools or the support to navigate this alone. Um, all of those things.
0: I, I'm i just struck by the idea. You know, like when they say like someone's going up to speak and they get nervous and like to imagine the audience like in their underwear or whatever. I'm just imagining, I'm imagining New York City for whatever reason. And just, I guess a lot of people walking around streets and just imagining them all as like half empty <laughs> Like not as a whole people. Cause that's how we
1: show up. That's how we show up. And that is such a, a hilarious and devastating visual. And, you know, it, I, I, I really think that is how we are all showing up. So no wonder it doesn't feel sustainable, you know? And what we hear is people don't, people, people say to us like, show me the steps. Just tell me what to do to feel like a whole person again. And the steps are really just finding time to reconnect with yourself and reconnect with others. And so we have a curriculum that guides the conversation. And so that's really important because often people will put a bunch of people in a group and then they'll say, you guys know what to do, right? No, No. nobody knows what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know where to start. And so for us, we want to give it to you in a way that makes it feel really accessible. Because again, back to my story, I was like, what's the path here? I feel so far away from myself as I become a mom. I feel like my sense of identity has shifted so deeply. How am I supposed to integrate this new part of my identity into who I am? What is the path there? Um, I come from a long line of psychiatrists and psychologists. My mom is an amazing psychiatrist. Her dad was a psychiatrist. My grandmother's a psychologist. Um, my aunt teaches psychology at the <laughs> university of Venezuela. So I think I, you know, certainly like dinner table conversation was mental health. But what I think a lot about is there are people that need clinical care and the American medical association says right now, every adult over six, under 65 has to be screened for anxiety and depression. But um, there's also a lot of people that just feel alone or like they're struggling and they need subclinical care, right? Which means um, they need support, but not clinical support. And I think we have a huge opportunity at Keep Company to help organizations provide systems of support uh, where there currently are none.
0: Because otherwise they're just grasping at straws. I mean, you see there's so many coaches now, which I mean, I don't know our age difference. We're probably pretty similar in age. The only coaches I knew were 37. No, I have no,
1: I'm not one of these people that is like, I won't tell them I'm 37. I'm happy to say it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm 40. So we're right in line, but I mean, the only coaches I knew were like little, little, little league coaches and soccer coaches and football coaches. Like there wasn't this other subset that you're absolutely right. That's between, you know, your friends giving you advice when they have no idea and they're only coming from their perspective and their lens and then going to therapy which is like well i'm not that bad right even though i completely 100% support therapy and and think it's very very useful and there's a place for both i think coaching yeah, and just, therapy they're, are they're such a great
1: tools. they're just different mhm totally totally i think katrin like just in response to what you just said i think in 5 years will look at people and say, you take your career seriously and you don't have a coach. Mm. We'll say, you're trying to figure out how to integrate your family and your work and you don't have a group that supports you. How do you do that? That's crazy. Yeah. I think in a couple of years, we will have awareness that like the social emotional well-being, the role of social emotional well-being in driving whole person success at work, at home, in health. Um, will be part of the conversation in a way it isn't right now. And I mean, I think again, back to the beginning of the conversation with how COVID exacerbated things. um, I just read an article that KPMG is rolling out soft skills training for all of their early hires because they're struggling so much with that. And that is so much of what we're doing at Keep Company is soft skills development, which I just, you know, I think the soft stuff is the hard stuff. It's the stuff we aren't actually taught because nobody knows how to do it or say it out loud. And so that's like, how do you ask for help? How do you hold a boundary with efficacy? How do you say no? Um, These are the things that we aren't taught and often the skills that really drive success at work, at home, whatever it looks like for you. Right. Um, But People often feel like they're failing because they don't have these skills and you're not failing. You, It's just a skill. Yeah. Just, just, just don't know yet. Yeah. And so again, to that, the, the like intrinsic idea that I believe in people, I believe these are skills we can learn. And then I think people can figure out what they want to do with them. And, and for women and moms, if you want to leave the workforce, awesome. I want you to leave the workforce. I want it to be your choice. That's the difference. I want, I want people to feel like they are making choices rather than leaving the workforce because they have no path forward. Mm.
0: It, it really also comes to mind. Oh gosh, I'm really loving this whole person idea, which seems so obvious, but it also, I feel like goes right against the whole idea, which I don't believe in this idea. And based on our conversation and what I've read prior previously, I don't think you do either, but the myth of work-life balance. Oh, I think is
1: bullshit. We start our training, our training balance is bullshit. It is a mirage. It's a lie. It's a lie. The idea that what's, what's the lie about it is this idea that once you figure it out, you have figured it out. That's the lie. The, the truth is you have family will pull harder sometimes work will pull harder sometimes your well-being or personhood or health will pull harder other times if we have the the strong emotional core and skills to come back to center we can navigate those challenges and changes but i mean this is cha- these are all living breathing things that are changing all the time balance is a minute by minute adventure. <laughs> and so do you, you, you spoke of it earlier. So yeah. you were, you, you had found your footing in elementary, in parenting elementary age kids, and now you have a middle age, middle school aged kid. Like this is, this is life, right? Like the, the goalpost is always changing. So the idea that like, I found it, I did it. That to me just implies like stuckness or stillness, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely. I jumped, I feel like I cut off your thread on balance because I feel so no, strongly. It's, a no, lie.
0: it's, it's absolutely perfect. Cause I mean, I think balance also implies like stagnation. So it goes completely in a line with that. And it also puts those two ideals of work and family life at diametrically opposed opposites instead of integrating them all within your whole body. So I absolutely, um, I absolutely love this. I am so glad that we had this conversation and I hope that we can have future conversations because it's a topic I'm passionate about as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of good there. Uh, what sort of areas do you work in? Are you working in the, um, more in the DC area or what are sort of, you know, if someone's listening in Texas, how can they reach out to keep company?
1: Yeah. Keep-company.com. We work with organizations all over the country and we support their workforces all over the world because our programming and our workshops and our program are all on Zoom. And we have worked quite a bit with law firms in supporting their teams, management consulting firms, financial services but, um, we work with all kinds of organizations to help them essentially keep their people. Um, because what we hear is the old tools aren't cutting it. Mm. And so we're, we're excited to offer a new, a new way of doing it.
0: Well, when the old tools aren't cutting it, you got to sharpen your (laughs) ax.
1: That is right. That is right. Absolutely.
0: Oh, Claudia, is there anything else that, um, we haven't discussed that you'd like to share before we wrap up today?
1: I think the only thing that has coming to mind as we wrap is don't forget about men. We are available to moms, dads, and caregivers. And we have found that um, this, this idea of not showing up as whole people, it's not working for men either. We talk a lot about moms kind of in the zeitgeist and we should, women, it's, it's disproportionately women that leave the workforce because of caregiving. But we're finding that, men are really hungry to show up as whole people too. And so it's it's exciting to support them in that process. Um, and the face of caregiving is women and men. And so I, I think all of us owe it to ourselves and each other to show up as whole people and support each other in doing that. So that's that's my one plug at the end.
0: And, and absolutely love it. I mean, we, we all need to be whole people, all of us. Yes. All the people be whole people.
1: Yes, that would be great. <laughs>
0: We'll just like rewrite the we the people to we the whole people. Yes. Can you imagine? That would be exciting. That would quite be quite the declaration. I I look forward to that. Brought well, to you by Keep Company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sponsored by Keep Company. Oh my gosh. Claudia, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your passion with with all of us. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing to um bring so many different types of solutions into the
0: like. Oh, absolutely. And to the listeners, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. Um, if you liked this, please share it with your audience comment, uh, that helps us to bring great content like this and help find amazing people out there in the world, doing amazing things and being able to share and learn from one another. So until next time, see you later.